From rolling dice and drawing cards to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games, as well as experienced players who want something new. Let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone. In this episode, we're talking adaptations. We'll talk board games that have successfully and unsuccessfully been adapted from books, movies, and TV. For the dice roll, we have some classic board game tie-ins. And for our escape room report, we head into the not-so-wizarding world. The not-so-wizarding world. I like that. (laughs) Normally, I just jump right into it, but that got me today. (laughs) So, Lauren, sometimes when you're um, having a party, you like to have a theme to it. Yes. You know, and sometimes those themes can just be a general overlay, you know, uh, you know, just like, hey, guys, it's going to be spy theme night, you know, mm. or something like that. Or sometimes you like to have kind of like a party based upon a certain intellectual property, mm. you know, like, for example, I know a lot of people who when a show is going to have their finale, they'll have like, hey, guys, it's the Game of Thrones theme party. You know, uh-huh. come dress as your favorite Game of Thrones character. I'll decorate it like that. We'll have food that's themed to it. You know, things like that. And I know especially, even more so, when Downton Abbey was in its main run, lots of people were having fancy, fancy tea English parties, tea yeah. parties and stuff like that. Because why not? It's fun to get into mm-hmm. that, right? So I thought it'd be fun if we looked at board games that are based upon either TV or movies or even books. Mm-hmm. So that way you can incorporate those into your theme. So you can go watch these movies or TV shows or even maybe have a book club mm-hmm. and then play the game afterwards. Yeah, or even it might be a good way to kind of, if it's a movie or a book or something that you really love, this is a way to kind of extend that love exactly, you know, past the show. Exactly. What we're looking for in this list for our main topic mm-hmm. are games that we think most encapsulate the spirit the kind of like feelings that you get from that core source material Mm -hmm. right because there are there are a lot of games too that they're not so much based upon tv shows or Mm. or movies or whatever but they kind of take that and use it as an overlay Mm -hmm. like you know there's um harry potter trivial pursuit and there's, that's not what we're looking there's at. There's all these different monopolies. Simpsons Monopoly, Mighty Python, <laughs> It's Mighty funny. Python when Monopoly. you say Simpsons Monopoly, that's literally the first thing that comes to my head when I think of like overlays on games. Yeah. I don't know why. Like I like the Simpsons. Monopoly's mm-hmm. okay, but that combination just drives me crazy because it's Simpsons everything, Monopoly everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. No. We're not talking about overlays. And we wanted to look for games that are a bit more unique uh-huh. with their structure and format. They may not be completely like oh my gosh we've never heard of this before at all uh-huh. you know but it, like you said it's not just another version of risk yeah. it's not just another version of monopoly it has enough to it that it feels like its own unique thing and i feel like there's a couple properties that have a lot of games that have been made about them um you know we mentioned already kind of harry potter right mm-hmm. and harry potter definitely runs the gamut of just sort of, you know, slapped on a Monopoly board game or slapped on a Clue board game or something like that. But then there's other Harry Potter games that actually are good games, such as one we've been playing a lot recently, which is Battle for Hogwarts. Yeah, Battle for Hogwarts is a deck builder game Mm -hmm. where, you know, you start with your... Everybody starts with their own preset deck of 10 cards. Uh Seven, or no, sorry, six of which... Uh, in the decks are the same for everybody. It's the spell Aloha Mora, uh-huh. which gives you one uh, galleon, 
you know, yeah. to buy more cards with. But then each of the characters have then, I think, three or four unique cards to them uh-huh. based upon if you're playing as Hermione or Neville or Harry or Ron mm-hmm. that makes the character play a little bit differently. Yeah, and you're playing through every year of um, the school or of the every year that the books. And that's fantastic because as you go, you actually build up more and more skills. Yeah. Of course, with each game, you have to reset. Mm-hmm. It even gives the explanation like, oh, well, you just didn't study during the summer. <laughs> you know, which for that case, I feel like Hermione should get to keep one of her cards because right? she would, you know. <laughs> Maybe Neville would too because he's like, I'm going to mess up next year. I got to get ahead of the game, <laughs> you know, but definitely Ron and Harry would not, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's really neat because it's divided into seven boxes, seven cards. And in each card box has particular spells and items which are found within that movie slash book. Yeah, and it's it's fun because, you know, each, each time you progress, you get to open another box for the next game. Mm-hmm. And it will have different things in it. And it's, it's kind of amazing because it'll start out, it's just cards. But then it moves on, and suddenly you get something other like, than just cards. Oh, now cards. I have tokens to go with the cards. Yeah, exactly. Now I have these other cool things that, like, oh my goodness, like now the cards let me use this side thing, which then lets me do that. Yeah, and you just yeah. never know what's going to come out, and mm-hmm. so that makes it a lot of fun. But once again, it's more logical. Like when you're playing year one, you're not going to be able to do the um, Patronus spell mm-hmm. because that's way too advanced. So that's not even in the deck. Yeah. You don't even get that until like book three or four when like they finally learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it makes. It has a logical progression, you know. And I think, um, minor spoiler, but at one point later on, I forget what book it is, like, you actually get to take your, your, like, owl exams uh-huh. and, like, choose, like, this is my major of, yeah. like, I like this kind of spells. So that will help me in some way, mm. you know. One that I think is um, a really fantastic game and how it's set up. And it's actually... A source material that you know about because we covered it in our other podcast movie date night mm-hmm. when I had you watch the thing. Yeah, uh, I like the the board game that came out just a couple years ago called The Thing: Infection and Outpost Thirty One. And the reason I like this one over other versions of the thing is that all of them have a hidden traitor aspect because somebody is an alien that's uh-huh. pretending to be human, mm-hmm. right? And there's been other versions of this game where there's just cards and you're playing that, you know, and you have to try to find out who the traitor is and do all the detective work. But what's cool about this one is it actually has a layout of the station and you have to move around the the base to different rooms with key players, mm-hmm. you know, or with other players to try to do a search of the place uh-huh. as well as not trusting everybody. <laughs> and you also have like a time limit. So that's why you can't just, we're all going to go in one big group, uh-huh. room to room. Like how I say in our episode, like, why did you guys ever split up? Yeah. Never split up once you find out that something's wrong. Like nobody leaves anybody's sight. You know, <laughs> any reason you need to go poop, we're coming too. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> but they give you a... a, a you know, they take away that option with a time limit mm-hmm. saying, no, you have to do all this work and you have to get done before the helicopter arrives to bring more people and then potentially let the monster out. Uh-huh. So it's all about like taking that chance and trust investigation and trying to deduce the other players. And I think that's just really cool and really calculates the fear of like, you say I can trust you, <laughs> but like, how do I know you're really not just like a Lauren clone that's going to have tentacles and come at me in two seconds? <laughs> And kind of speaking like onlines of hidden trader games, one of um, probably the most popular and well-known um, board game tie-ins um, is to the TV show Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is also a famous hidden trader board game. Um, and this one, like 
Um, you know, I, you're, I'm always a little skeptical of television shows that they make into board games because a lot of times it just feels, like we said, it's they're just slapping on pictures and it, it has nothing to do with the real game. Yeah. And that um, it's just a money grab. But this game has had a lot of staying power and it's still super popular. Now, mm-hmm. we've never played it. Um, but like, I still see it sold everywhere. Um, I hear people talking about it all the time. It's kind of taken on a life of its own outside of the TV show. Do you know why we never played it? Because it takes anywhere from two to four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why. And like, that that's what it well says. And that's what group. it says on the box. Yeah. And I've said before in this podcast, and I'll say it again, do not trust the time in the box. Take the time they say in the box and multiply that by at least one and a half, if not two, for most people. Because I'm sorry, those times are wrong. And the, the cool thing about this game is that it says it goes to three, six players, and there can be one or more hidden traders in the game. And just like how it is in the game, in the show itself, uh-huh. each hidden trader doesn't know if there's other hidden traders. The Cylons don't know if another person's a Cylon necessarily or not, uh-huh. you know? So it's kind of like, who can we trust? Yeah. And it, the, so the purpose of that game, though, is essentially you're trying to keep morale up you're trying to keep kind of fuel and food long enough to get to Earth while you have kind of these traders and these Cylons trying to kind of stop that from happening. And yeah, I, I really just, something about that hidden trader element in both movies and games really I think is engaging uh-huh. because it, it makes a whole new layer of trust and distrust at the table, Yeah, which can be fun. Yeah, and I feel like that really fits in nicely, too. Like, it's not just that they stuck the Battlestar Galactica theme over another game. Like, it fits nicely into the show. Battlestar Galactica Battleship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I kind of feel like this Hidden Traitor thing, it's a theme among some of these games. Because another one that is based on a TV show that I really liked is the Warehouse 13 board game, which is a fairly new one. Mm -hmm. Um, And that also uses a Hidden Traitor element. Yeah, and you have to... It's just like the show where you have these artifacts with weird powers or abilities. Mm-hmm. And it, it's cool. They actually even self-describe it as it's kind of taking place over a season. And yeah. each round is kind of like an episode. Uh-huh. So you're kind of trying to get the artifact, find out where it is, what it does, how you can get it back, working together as a team. Mm-hmm. But somebody, once again, may or may not be a hidden traitor and could be throwing a monkey wrench into those Yeah, works. and essentially every time you lose an artifact and you don't retrieve it, the traitor gets more powerful and is harder to then beat. I think it wasn't the main bad guy's name like McPherson or something yeah. in that show. So like it goes to him. Mm-hmm. And so one of you might be a secret agent for McPherson. And so you're just buffing him up yeah. by the end game to lose. I find this one interesting because it, so it just came out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's officially out now. Um, it was, I know it was like a Kickstarter and it kind of took longer than was expected and stuff like that. This one, like the show hasn't been on for quite a while. So I think it's interesting that this has come out so so many years after the show. This is a definite cult favorite. Yeah, yeah just very like, true. Look at Firefly. Firefly was only on for one season. Yeah, and there's so many And things. then they were like, we want more. They're like, okay, here's a movie. We want more. Here's some board games. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Which, you know, leads me to my next thing of Firefly the board game. And yeah, and now, now here's one that... We sort of played. Well, I've played this a couple times, yeah. but this game is massive because it, it has like four different star systems, at least, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all about finding jobs to do, weighing the risk of like how hard is this job versus how much do I get paid? Because there's multiple scenarios that you can play like, 
there's like a heist where like you have to get all this in order to do this step and that step and that step. Or there's ones where it's like race to get this much money first, you know. But it's all about kind of like, can I take that risk? Uh-huh. You have to also think about hiring a crew and paying them to go on dangerous missions. You have to think about how do I want to upgrade my ship? And even part of this game is just the time it takes to travel from place to place. Because you can just mosey on down the road, you know, so to speak, space-wise, and just play it safe. Or you can burn fuel, which is another resource in here, and take a chance that you might not get caught by something Uh along the way. So it's constant danger, constant trying to get that high of like, man, I made that reward. Or like even permanent losing characters. It's so easy for one of your characters to die or get demoralized. And if you're a big fan of this game and kind of the the dangers of it all, you know, it's a great game. I feel like the the this game, so yeah, this game, like you said, it's massive. Like you can't have a small table and have this game. Mm. Um, it's also just got a lot of parts and mm-hmm. rules and actions that you have to take and things like that it's kind of overwhelming to me um i know when it was explained to me i was just like nah i'm not following along at all um but i feel like this is something that also is kind of common in games that are adapted from other things is um they try to get so many elements of the narrative in there that it turns into a very messy game yeah i'm not i'm not necessarily saying firefly i know a lot of people really like it but to a lot of us it's very it's just too much well I, and i feel I like that happens a lot i think that sometimes they try to shove in too much mm-hmm. in the case of firefly it does come out clean you know like if we're doing the analogy of like kind of like a meat grinder you know uh-huh. to like bring up finished product this comes out as a nice smooth delicious looking sausage you know because they're able to spread it out over a huge board and stuff. And, like, yeah, it's, like, this massive thing. And, like, it can be daunting to some people. Like, I'm not going to eat that. That's uh-huh. way too huge, you know? But then you have something like the Jim Henson Labyrinth game, <laughs> which came out, like, uh, four years ago yeah. or so. Yeah, and this is very much a case of trying to fit the narrative in a, into a board game when it doesn't really work. Yeah, and it's, like, I get the fact that the, it's a cult classic favorite. It's, I love it love to it. death yeah. and back. I mean, I, I like it, too, but you love it. I, I do. Never not loving it, you know. <laughs> and it is a very pretty game, and it has very cute miniatures. I had considered buying it just to paint the miniatures for you at one point, but then I heard that the game wasn't very good. Because the game so... itself, it's the, the title is Labyrinth. This should be, like, some kind of a maze element. But really, all you're doing is just going around the board, like, just turning over, like, I think it's nine cards, resolving them, and you're done. <laughs> like, it, it's, there's no... Yeah, it you know, kind of lost something. Yeah, it, it lost something in translation. And mm-hmm. I can't quite put my finger on how to describe it. But it, essentially, it's just like, hey, look at this. This looks like Ludo. The the dog monster thing from the thing. Don't you like Ludo? Yeah, sure you do. It's like the little goblin who's putting stuff in Sarah's back. Going mm-hmm. like, remember this? This was awesome. Yes, you like that. There you go. It's going to be right there for you. Mm-hmm. You kind of thing. <laughs> but going back even further in time to something that actually is a great game. Based upon both book and TV show, and movies. Uh, Though I think at the time this released, this was more based upon the book. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think they... Yeah, they, they didn't do the movie until the 80s. Yeah, so. so this is Dune. Dune. Which, another episode that we did on our... Yeah, on our other podcast, Movie, movie Date Night. Night. Actually, that, that was a cool episode because we actually did... Every once in a while on that podcast, we will do like a back-to-back thing. Yeah. Where we'll do like two episodes that are... We'll do an episode that has two movies in it. And for this one... 
I actually made you watch um, the Dune from the 80s. Mm-hmm. The and one then, with Sting in it. Yeah, the one with Sting in it. And then we watched the more modern um, TV miniseries that they did, uh-huh. both um, Dune and Children of Dune. Yeah. And we did all of that for one episode and compared and contrasted. My, and my head, like, exploded. Yeah, it was a little too much Dune. <laughs> no, I loved it. It was so cool. Like, that was, like... Hardcore sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very hardcore. Especially the books. The books like, are hardcore. Super right? nerdy, deep, hardcore sci-fi. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And and they're very different. The two versions of it. Very so, different. But yeah. they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And uh, I I gave my opinion in that episode. So if you want it, go listen to that. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a very strong opinion about what <laughs> what was good and what wasn't. And I'm very curious because they're supposedly remaking it. So I heard that. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. But what's cool about the Dune, and keep in mind, this game came out in 1979. And it looks like it, from what I can see in images and stuff, it looks like it's had a couple, like, reprints and stuff it, Yeah, it's had, well, this is one of those games that, like, when they first made it, they got it right. Uh-huh. And it's got, because pretty much what you're doing is you're constantly balancing political power, economic power, and territory. Which is what the dune is about exactly so you're constantly balancing like territory so that you can get spice production Mm -hmm. and other resources right but at the same time you need to mitigate your political resources as well because otherwise someone would just be able to swoop in and take over from Mm -hmm. you so there's not really so much in terms of direct combat because it's not really like risk in that way where like you know oh i own five units of land so i get this it's it's more about like how strong your foothold is in those lands uh-huh. you know and the balancing of it all and like how quickly the tides can change you can be king of the hill one round and then two rounds later because i made a mistake and didn't like focus on what you were doing you can swoop in and just take everything away from me mm-hmm. it's that fast and yeah. it's it's one of those ones that like can go for a while too this game can take anywhere from like one to three hours easy just depending on how, how good everyone is. Uh-huh. It's like chess times hardcoreness. You know, <laughs> it's 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 constant move, counter move, move, counter move. Uh-huh. And considering that that's literally what Dune is. How at the very start of the series for Dune, it's one political family got kicked out. I think it was the Har- Harkins. Yeah, I think or I something like that. Names, I can't remember the names yeah. exactly right now. But one family gets kicked out of owning. Um, the spice planet yeah right and another family comes and another in. family comes in because the first family kind of messed up yeah and then they're like no we will get you back assassination and then that kicks them out but then that family's still technically in power but just weakened and then it's like yeah. guys go watch dune <laughs> it's sort of dune is sort of like think of game of thrones before game of thrones was ever yeah ever game of thrones before game of thrones with fewer characters yes and, and hard more hard sci-fi hardcore sci-fi and it's all just desert planet yeah you yeah know. it also has a very strong environmentalism message too yeah but replace dragons for giant sandworms yeah <laughs> it is interesting to like look at the pictures of this game and see sort of the progression because i mean it looks like they've they, they keep the game the same but like they are slowly improving the like the look the of it, look yeah. of it and stuff it, it slowly becomes more modern modern looking as you go through like pictures of it and stuff yeah because like some of these are just like gray and yellow blobs of squares yeah, just going, like here's this territory the next one it's like actually showing like a geographic map yeah you know? and like one of them has like super like 80s looking text and like stuff that you know would not fly today it's usually and... super 79 looking text. well no but i mean i don't even know like if that was the 79 version i just know like that looks I know like something mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it, it's a really really uh deep game you know 
speaking of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, that's another one that we wanted to briefly mention here, where it, there's lots of different versions of Game of Thrones. The, you know, yeah, there's like, lots of different games. Lots that, of different games and, that go along with and it. And once again, kind of like Harry Potter, it ranges from the, we just slap this theme onto this, mm-hmm. to actual, like, well-thought-out games that have to do with Game of Thrones. Yeah, but um, the one that I'm looking at specifically is called A Game of Thrones, the board game that's uh, from 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll know it because it's got a picture of the Red Keep on the front. Uh, this one, it looks kind of like Risk or Diplomacy, but it's like way more involved because mm-hmm. you actually have, you know, alliance tokens. You have special cards you can draw. They give you abilities and bonuses. You can make trade agreements with people. You can play certain power tokens at certain times. And it's just one of those games that like you will not finish in one night. <laughs> you need to like take 10 weeks to play this game. And like you, I just know that when people play this, they surely must. Everyone gets out their phone, takes pictures at the end of each session. Like you will not forget that I have three guys here, not four. (laughs) I know there is another Game of Thrones game that came out fairly recently that uses, um, it's one of those ones that just has hundreds and hundreds of miniatures. Yeah. Um, Just, I mean, like when we say hundreds, I mean like hundreds of miniatures. But (laughs) just like how Game of Thrones does, it reminds you that like battles can be huge, Mm -hmm. you know, and can take a long time. Yeah. You know. That's the one thing I didn't quite like about the show Game of Thrones is that they never quite gave you the sense of exactly how long it's been since uh, like this happened. Like you know, John will be in the south and be like, "I'm going back north." Next thing, he's back north. Okay, how long did that take you? <laughs> yeah. Was that six months? Was that a week? I don't know. It'd be kind of nice to know like how long everyone's been sitting there going like, "Wonder how John's doing on his trip." <laughs> and of course, you know, some of these games um, they don't even have to be necessarily board games. Uh, there's a Game of Thrones card game called The Hand of the King. That's also out there where it's kind of um, it's another sort of it's not so much hidden traitor as it's um, like you're trying to make an uh, alliance um, or outwit your opponents and become the next hand of the king. It's more of a kind of stealth and trickery game. Yeah, it's it's a political maneuvering game, Uh like stripped down to its bare bones. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know. Quite uh, it's also that one's kind of unique too because it's Game of Thrones, but like it uses um, it has all the characters, but they're like cartoon versions. Yeah, I like the way they kind of were drawn. So like know? it's not like pictures of the actors that we all know. This is just like cartoon versions of the characters, which can be fun, you know. Yeah, and it's sometimes different. I even enjoy those more than the actual actor depictions because. You know, like, I, I've seen a picture here that I'm assuming this is supposed to be, like, Jon Snow, and he looks angry and mad, you Maybe. know? Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if that's supposed to be But mad. then you have Daenerys in the background, and she's just got, like, you know, kind of like a, okay, kind of look like <laughs> But so those were some of the games that we uh, found that we think best bring about the spirit, mm-hmm. or the well intentions, rather, of the uh, original source material. you guys have any that you particularly like? that you think is a unique game, you know, uh, let us know about it on our Facebook and Twitter. What were those again? At Game Friday. So now let's go ahead and go on to our dice rolling segment. So for our dice rolling segment, I thought I'd continue with the theme of adaptations mm-hmm. and look at some of the games you kind of briefly mentioned already. Some of the more popular kind of standby games that have tons and tons of versions of them mm-hmm. and i track down some of what i think are the silliest or like weirdest versions <laughs> and these are those like kind of classic board games that they you know okay you have monopoly but like 
we can't just keep selling the same monopoly. Like yeah. after a while, people have monopoly. They don't need another monopoly. So we have to put slap on a fun new picture and theme to it just to make it different enough that we can sell more. Right. Just so you guys know, Lauren has not seen these. Mm-hmm. I tracked these down, so I wanted to get her opinion and her reaction with these. So the first one we have is the Game of Life. And I thought the most interesting version of the Game of Life was the Game of Life Haunted Mansion Edition, where you play as ghosts. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm not super familiar with... Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I know the Game of Life. Mm-hmm. I've never actually played it, though. I've played um, it a couple times. But it's kind of ironic, I guess, that you're playing the Game of Life as right. ghosts. <laughs> because I don't get how that works. Because in the Game of Life, as I remember it, you have a little car for people moving. You know, and you put like one little peg in it for like if you're a boy or a girl or whatever, and that's you. And as you go along, you get married, you put a second peg, you might get a couple more kids, you put more little pegs. But like you're a ghost. So like, are you going along making more ghosts? Are you killing people as you're going <laughs> along in this game of death? Like what's going on here? I don't understand this at all. And unfortunately, it doesn't give us too much information here other mm-hmm. than just it's a Hana Imagine thing. I have seen though, I do remember seeing this being sold in Disneyland when mm-hmm. we used to go. And instead of money, it's like... I think screams that the ghost generates, <laughs> but like you know, of course they still have like jobs, you know. So uh-huh. the opera ghost generates like one hundred eighty thousand screams, while like the butler ghost only generates like seventy thousand screams. <laughs> it's like is that the annual scream income? You know, I guess it's kind of like Casper. You know, another version of this that I found that I thought was just random and weird, and I I have so many problems with it. Is we all know Clue. Mm-hmm. Clue is a game in which something has happened and you and your other five players are trying to go around the location mm-hmm. to go into different rooms or areas, find some clue by essentially asking everybody, like, I think it was this. And you look, Lauren, do you have evidence that says it's not this combination? You show me one of your three cards, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. We all know how to play Clue. Yeah. Normally, it involves a death. Mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't like i did find one version of clue that was the big bang theory uh-huh. where it's like oh somebody has upset sheldon because they sat in his favorite seat and like stained the cushion mm-hmm. who stained the cushion or something mm-hmm. something weird like that you know uh-huh. but this version of clue i i just gotta talk about so it's five nights at freddy's clue <laughs> which is a video game right which is a video game right based upon you are a security guard who is essentially like in a really weird, scary Chuck E. Cheese and the animatronics can like walk around, not just stuck to the stage. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the night, they will walk around and if they catch you, they will kill you. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly like closing doors and like hiding from them so that way they don't catch you and kill you. Mm -hmm. This one, the idea is that someone has killed the security guard and you and five of your other animatronic friends have to figure out which of you killed him in what room. (laughs) <laughs> but if we're all haunted animatronic figures who want to kill the security guard, why do because we care? Why do we care to figure out who did it? I also think the um, the little tokens are kind of funny on this. I felt like they didn't really have like an idea of what they should do. So one is a balloons, one is a, the flashlight, one is like, or two of them are like masks. One is like one of the animatronic bears with like a hat on, which is also the exact same as one of the masks. So that doesn't make sense. And then one is like a present. So it's just like, like, it's so random. I, I kind of know what these are because I haven't played the games, but I've watched people play them. It's uh-huh. one of those games that's fun to watch people play more than it is to play yourself, I think. Uh-huh. So I know what these are, but it's so great to hear you explain. Like, there's just two masks. I don't get it. Like, well, like, so one of them is like, you're right, it's just a stand of balloons that just says balloons uh-huh. on it. That's supposed to be Balloon Boy. Uh-huh. One of them's the flashlight. And clearly, this is based upon the second version of 
um, the game because the third one is a mask that you can put on uh, to convince the things. Okay. Oh, I'm one of you. Because it's just like it looks almost exactly like the the actual animatronic bear. And that's so the point. It's, it's like... because he would look at you and say, "Oh, you're like me." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Samesy, samesies, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, the fifth one is like a just a basic little plush doll, I guess, that's in the game. But I know that the fourth one that looks like a present box, like this, mm-hmm. is really scary, almost like a mind looking puppet mm-hmm. that looks like the sixth mask. Right, like a smiley mask that will come out, and like, if you, I forget what it is, but if like you're not like wanting a music box, then he'll come out and get you anyways. Mm. But just the idea of like these animatronics, like who we all want to kill this guy, who cares who got him then? Yeah, you know, it's it's just it's dumb. Like there's no mystery there. No one would want to figure that out out of the animatronics. Okay, operation. <laughs> we know the game operation. Mm-hmm. It's where typically there's a person or character on a table and they have holes in their torso or body and there's fun little shapes that you have to use little tweezers to pluck out without touching the sides yeah or else it goes and then that means you touch the sides you have to put it back and you don't get paid it's kind of like a dexterity game for kids yes it's a very clever dexterity game with a little bit of electricity kind of Uh dangerous but whatever you know some of them that i found were a little weird like there was a finding dory one and also (laughs) a um an olaf from frozen one where it's not even that they are being taken apart. It's literally like a find the fish around here. Mm-hmm. Or like Olaf was like, find the little baby snowman all around. And you just, so it's like, it's literally just like an underwater scene of Dory in a coral reef. Uh, and it's like, here's a fish, and there's a starfish, and there's a thing. That's weird. So like, you're not really doing any operation, you know? Uh-huh. But like, the thing about all those is at least they have fun, unique shapes to play with. Like, one of them is like a triangular hole, one of them is shaped like a starfish. The one I found is Noah's Ark edition of the board game. And the it's, problem with it is that every single hole is just square. It's just a square. It's, it's just, okay, so it's a really weird kind of cartoony drawing mm. of Noah's Ark and all the animals lining up for it. You know, you've got a camel, an elephant, a, a horse, a, a cow, and all that. And there's just a bunch of squares on it just randomly placed. <laughs> and I guess you just put little tokens of the animals in there and you just pull them out. But like the thing, the thing about the other ones is at least like, oh, it's a triangular. So I have to like, make sure I don't nick this out of the corner. Yeah. It, it adds to the challenge. Of yeah. It. This one, it's the most basic of the basic, basic. And the worst part is too, on the actual board, I only see one of every animal. Yeah. So like, I guess you're pulling the mates out. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's very, very um, strange. And we'll try to maybe post a picture of that online just to share that with people. Now, my last version that I wanted to share with you is amazing. So we've already mentioned Monopoly. Uh Monopoly is one of those ones that you can slap any theme onto. And they have. And here you go, right? (laughs) Some of them I understand, like Simpsons. Like, okay, we're going to go buy up all the different known properties in Springfield. Mm -hmm. I get that. Other ones a little bit weirder, like the Dragon Ball Z one, where, like, there's no properties. It's like, here's a villain that you can buy, or a character, uh-huh. or, like, an attack, I guess? I don't know. I was going to choose for my selection of this what I thought was one of the weirdest ones, which was Heinz Monopoly. <laughs> Heinz as in... As in the ketchup. The ketchup, or... And, and I love that, like, even one of the one of the spaces is, like, frozen french fries. Yeah, And right? it's a brand, too. It's, like, an actual, like, or, or Elda And then look at this. Fries. Like, the thing that's, like, Boardwalk and Park Place is, like, the just the 14-ounce ketchup bottle and then the upside-down bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's very odd. Right? <laughs> but at least those have some variety. I feel like the only person who would buy that was someone who works for Heinz. Right? 
But like I said, at least that has some variety to the spaces, Mm -hmm. right? But to me, the true king of weird Monopoly that does not need to be is the Garfield Monopoly. (laughs) Because every space is just a different picture of Garfield. But it's the 25th anniversary collection. I don't care. (laughs) It's weird and should not exist. (laughs) Like, I once again, I understand if you're a big Garfield fan, but like... At least get like there's different characters of Garfield. Mm-hmm. You know, there's John, there's Odie, there's Normal the cat. You know, he has a girlfriend whose name I can't remember right now. John has a girlfriend whose name I can't remember right now. There's even the the farm animals. I used to watch as a kid this cartoon show called Garfield and Friends, uh-huh. and there's like a whole like like you know pigs and ducks and stuff on a farm. Get those guys in there, but no, literally every single space is just a picture of Garfield. Yeah, and like one space is like fat cat for four hundred dollars, lazy kitty. For $350. Like, it and makes no sense. And then it's no like, fr- refrigerator, I'm sure. There's a lasagna one somewhere, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, all, you know there's a lasagna one. And, and then, yeah, like, all the things for the movement is like, uh, go, go back to the pond. It's like a hamburger, a tray of lasagna, uh, a cat food bowl. Oh, look at this. Actually, an Odie. Surprise, surprise. You know. Yeah. The one, I don't even know what that, it is. The one that says born to snooze, that's Garfield, uh, like, cuddled up underneath his blanket. So it pretty much just looks like a blob. It, it does. It looks like, kind of like a shoe almost. Yeah. What is that on the right? Can you even tell what that is? This? Isn't that John? I don't know. Oh, it, it's so unrecognizable. I, I couldn't tell that was John. Like, the, not everything translates well into small metallic diecast, yeah. diecast figures. Yeah. <laughs> so awful. You lose certain detail. <laughs> you lose certain recognizability. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the price for Garfield 25th oh, wow. anniversary, $110 on Amazon. Yikes. So there you go. Those are some of my weirdest interpretations. Lauren, before we wrap up this segment, which was your favorite weird I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to buy the Heinz Monopoly just because I feel like that's that's going to be a collector's edition It's someday. so weird it's worth it. <laughs> Do you like ketchup? Let's have ketchup. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, you could just spend a day going through Amazon looking at all these weird, like, ones they have. Like, I'm seeing a Mustang one here. I'm seeing an Elvis but one. But see, Mustang, there's different years of Mustangs. Yeah, ago. Elvis, there's different so versions of Elvis and different, like, artifacts. Like, you know, his... You know, his Vegas years, his, you know, uh, Jailhouse Rock years kind of stuff. <laughs> I can, I get that. The Garfield one, it's all just Garfield. So that's our adaptations. <laughs> our strange but true adaptations. Strange but true adaptations. So, <laughs> but for another adaptation, we had a interesting escape room adaptation, which we question the legality of. <laughs> Okay, so for this uh, adaptation escape room, we went to, not too long ago, we went to an escape room, and this is a location that we've previously gone to and we've previously talked about on this podcast, Um, and we did the School of Sorcery, Mm -hmm. and probably is not going to take much imagination to deduce that this is a Harry Potter escape room. Um, Expecto lawsuitum. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the thing. I don't know, because they don't use the term uh, Harry Potter in any of the advertising or anything like that, um, I don't believe they ever say Harry Potter in the room. Um, No, but they say other things. They do, yeah. So, like I said, as far as, like, the marketing goes, they don't necessarily, it's very clear that they are talking about Harry Potter, but they don't say it anywhere. 
Um, once you get in the room, like I said, they never say Harry Potter. I don't even know if they say Hogwarts per se, but they do have a ton of um, merchandising mm-hmm. for all the different houses. Um, they even have a sign that has like kind of pointing to all the different like, say, yeah. areas. They do have it written down mm-hmm. saying Hogwarts and like a signpost this way, Hogsmeade that way yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they never directly say it. And that was the weird thing about this is that there's plenty of times where it's clearly just straight up. We bought Harry Potter merchandise from Universal Studios uh-huh. or some like store yeah and other times where it's like we had to make our own thing and we realized if you make your own thing you can't say these yeah so then we'll do some other like legally distinct version Mm -hmm. yeah so this was um at the exit game which is in monterey park california um and we've previously been to this location and we did their um james bond room an hour to kill which Mm -hmm. which we enjoyed so we um came back out Um, And we actually, this was one of the um, times that uh, one of our listeners, uh, Matt, came down and he did some escape rooms with us. And this is one of the rooms we did with him. And it was our first time doing an escape room with him. You remember we've talked about our experience with him previously when we did the mafia room. Yeah, exactly. So we actually did this room right before the same day. Um, that we did the Mafia room. Oh, the cartel room, excuse me. Oh, the, the cartel. cartel room, yeah. Cartel, yeah. Mafia, come on, same yeah. time. Um, so, and what I do like about this location is it's kind of a neat location because they have this very big waiting room area. Mm-hmm. And they actually do have some, like, board games and stuff in there. And they've got table cool. space to use them. Yeah, too. they have a bunch of tables and stuff. So that it's kind of a cool location. And they do have a number of different rooms. Um, this room's obviously one of their most popular because clearly Harry Potter is a very popular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say like kind of going same with their, um, James Bond room is when we walked in this room, you know, the theming was really good. Oh yeah. You know, it, I mean, it's not the best we've ever seen, Mm-mm. but, um, they did, uh, they had tons of props, tons of stuff. They had a lot of stuff that you couldn't necessarily touch. Like it was behind like glass and stuff like that, but you could see they'd gone to a lot of work to buy different props and make different things to look very um, in theme. Um, Compared to a previous room we did, which was Harry Potter theme that we did not discuss on this podcast because it was a long time ago, which was terrible. Um, This room was much better than that. (laughs) Yeah, no, this room is light years ahead of that. But if you compare this to the standard Mm -hmm. of all other rooms, it's like a three and a half stars out of five, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look bad. Mm -mm. It's just not the best. Yeah, and uh, it had a lot of, like, it had a lot of puzzles. And the puzzles were good. Yeah, I mean, the puzzles were good. Plus, like I said, it just, it had a lot. So there was lots to work on. There was lots to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was this really fun thing that they do in this room where they actually have, and this is something that I have been saying for a while for a Harry Potter room. I was surprised that like the other rooms that I've kind of seen haven't done this is they actually have large framed video screens yes. that are essentially acting as the um, moving the pictures. Moving pictures. Yeah. But what's cool is d- different things in the room will wake up these portraits and they are actually a video of an actor who will interact with you and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that like the way, the way they did it is really cool because you're at some points you're like, is it like really reacting to me? Like it, I don't know. It just, it somehow almost felt like you could almost believe that the actor was like in the other room doing this to you. At one point I thought they would give me a clue and it was just the thing going through like, and it's like, Oh, he's just messing with me. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, it's going through like a cycle. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. 
Um, it did, there was like one thing in there that was voice activated that I thought was really cool where you had to like sing a song to it. Yeah. And it slowly like, you could see this light building up as you sang the song and then it finally That was really cool. And also, even though it's not distinctively Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, all Uh those ones, they do divide those four houses into different sections Mm -hmm. and each house has a puzzle to it that reflects what that house is about. The Ravenclaw section requires a lot of like kind of math and like thinking about how clocks are, you know, Uh the Hufflepuff section involves you being more social and, you know, talkative. The Slytherin section involves like being crafty with potions making. Yeah. You know, I thought that the potions one was sort of the weakest of the puzzles Mm -hmm. because it's kind of more based on trial and error. Yeah. Because like mm. we even talked to them about that afterwards and it's kind of hard to explain, but essentially it's like you're doing color combinations. Like, you know, uh, blue plus yellow equals green. Yeah. So then if you take this shade of blue and that shade of yellow. And if you had too much yellow, then, you know. Whatever, stuff like that. You know, it's it's hard to explain without giving away what the thing is. Yeah. But it's essentially like that. And, you know, there's directions that are there. Kind of like Ikea instructions, which doesn't give uh-huh. you words. It just gives you pictures and you're supposed to follow the pictograms. But the guy was like... Yeah, well, there's only, like, 12 different possible combinations. So you're just supposed to kind of go through it all and, you know. Yeah. Get, I'm like, no, you should never say the words guess and check is yeah, your answer. That's, yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of a cop-out. I mean, there there are a lot of other really good puzzles in there, though. So, I, you know, you kind of forgive it. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get to play with a wand at some point. You would get to play cool. with a couple wands, actually. Yeah. Um, and this one does have multiple rooms. I will say I felt like the theming kind of goes a little bit downhill. It does, very As much. the rooms go on. Um, it did have kind of a surprise where, like, there was a room. I thought, like, this next section was that was the door out. Mm-hmm. And then there was another room. They there's, they have kind of an unusual space where you have a hard time kind of telling, like, how big the rooms are, really. Yeah. You know, you're like, uh I thought we were this door would lead to the lobby, but no, it led to another room. Yeah. <laughs> they also did have a puzzle that you have to do that if you're anything at all of like having a bad back or trouble getting down on the ground. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it, it will like hurt you because mm-hmm. there's a point where you have to like lay down on the ground and essentially like look under the bottom of it like a table. Uh-huh. And you have to like be like reaching up and touching things and following someone else's directions. But, like, if no one in your group is comfortable with, like, being under a table like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of like a small space, too. So, like, you know, I was imagining, like, what if, like, a group of people came in here and they're all, like, a bit more, you know, overweight and all have bad backs? Uh Like, that part would be physically impossible. Yeah. Or what if you have a bunch of people who are, like, physically disabled in some way? Well, yeah, but, Greg, we've done a lot of rooms that are like that. So we can't really ding them for that. I know, but I mean, there's a room where you literally had to, like, pull yourself down a like shaft so (laughs) on your back so (laughs) like i mean definitely like i think that that there is probably a market out there for rooms that can be more um friendly to like people in the wheelchairs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um i would like to maybe see a little bit more of that although i am the first one who loves having to crawl into some weird thing or jump down something i've always said it'd be fun to do an escape room where you force people to be in a wheelchair (laughs) where like you put you have wheelchairs for them. Uh, you put a seatbelt on them, and you say, "If you take your seatbelt off, the game is over." <laughs> you know how fun would that be? Yeah, I did appreciate like because it's hard not to compare this to the other uh, Harry Potter room we did, mm-hmm. which um, is a room that 
got in a lot of trouble for using oh, Harry yeah. Potter property. Of course, they were like literally marketing it as like that the Chamber of blatant, Secrets. Though. Yeah, it was blatant. And they've since renamed it, but I don't I don't know if they've updated anything in the room. That room, like it had a wand, but like it didn't do anything. It didn't really work. It was supposed to have done something, but it didn't work. And then I and, even like did the and also that room was bad because it had a math puzzle. Yeah, it had to do and thing. and I did it and my friend who was with us at the time, like she even double checked my work because we uh-huh. used to at that time we're both doing Sudoku for like fun. Yeah. So like we know our Sudoku. Mm-hmm. And then we had the girl come in and she's like, no, no, I watch. That's the answer. And she does it. It's like, it doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, because your thing's busted. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So I like definitely appreciated that. Like we actually got to use the wand mm-hmm. in this room. It actually had a function and a purpose. Yeah. It was also heavy, which I thought was interesting. It had some weight to it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I picked it up and I was like, oh, it has some weight to it. And I passed it to you guys and you were like, oh yeah. Oh, like, you're not joking. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very fun. You know, um, there was only a couple puzzles that were a bit, uh, a bit of a stretch yeah us, there, there was one um that has to do with like keys and you had to identify oh, that, a particular that one yeah. um and that was more just like the prop wasn't very good anymore so it was hard to identify the correct one because the prop had kind of worn away yeah essentially it's imagine you have like all of filter's keys on a ring right uh-huh. so like key after key after key like hundreds of them and then you're supposed to hold these things up to a black light and one of them will glow. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, like, the keys are always rubbing against each other. So, like, there's not really any black, like, paint on the thing yeah. anymore. And so, come, is that glowing? I <laughs> yeah. <can't>, you know? <laughs> Do you think that's glowing? <laughs> and, like, we could technically just, like, power through and just try every key. Mm-hmm. But that that we shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. We should never have to just try them all. Mm-hmm. Because that's BS. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we eventually figured it out. I and mean, then also, it does have that thing of, like, even when you know what key it is, now there's, like, five drawers to go try. Uh-huh. And there's no way to tell which drawer it's going to be for, yeah. if, if even more than one. Yeah, there was also something that we, I think we carried it through the entire room. Oh, and that we, shield And we never were quite certain if we used it or not. Yeah, like, yeah, we were yeah. like, did it, we kept trying it on different stuff, and we're like, did it do this? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I did really enjoy about this room mm-hmm. was the final bit. Mm-hmm. where they tried to... Okay, so it failed on us a little bit, but they tried to use really cool technology. Yeah. With, like, essentially... it. I mean, you didn't see the actual thing, but I'm imagining they were essentially using, like, an Xbox Kinect, where it's a motion tracker that tracks your actual physical body movement. Uh-huh. And so we were given, like, um, like a list of spells and, like, the positions that you have to physically put your body into. Uh-huh. Like, you have to have this arm up like that, yeah. and then the other arm out to the side. Yeah, you're and that equals wind You're essentially, something. like, dueling at the end. But that was cool. Yeah. yeah, it's like one person, like, stands in the specific spot, so, like, you're essentially in the perfect place for the camera, and then you have, once again, one of those cool video screens in front of you that makes it look like a portrait come to life. Uh-huh. And you're dueling the dark wizard, mm-hmm. you know? Which is cool, except the problem is that, like, technology for motion capture isn't fully accurate yet yeah so i well, was like i'm doing it i i got both yeah. hands above my head well, I, I mean if it, like and i don't know if this is what they use but if it was something like a you know xbox connect or a playstation you know that kind of technology mm-hmm. those usually you have to like when you first get it you have to calibrate it to like your height and stuff like that, that. and that's the problem so think, they can't that... do that for every customer so yeah it probably yeah. is a little weird yeah but i mean it, it was fun and what i also enjoyed about this game is uh, you also do get a few choices that you can make mm-hmm. along the way that kind of affect the story a little bit. That's something we hadn't really seen before about having some agency. 
And yeah, yeah, yeah. How our narrative went. Yeah, because in fact, we we questioned like, oh, should we do this other thing? And then we were kind of asking them afterwards. We're like, well, what happens if you do mm-hmm. this? <laughs> well, I think in the end, we actually made a choice to do one thing. Yeah. But then the game like misread our command to do mm-hmm. the other. We're like, oh, well, okay, I I guess we're do doing that. this. <laughs> I didn't really trust him anyways, yeah. but okay. The other thing that I like, and this is has nothing to do with escape rooms, but the other thing I like about this location is just it's in an area that has a lot of really good Asian food. Um, oh, they yeah. have a really good Korean barbecue place like there. Like just upstairs. Yeah, they also have a, a really good um, like ramen place real, nearby and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. So we've had some good food near there. <laughs> so if you want a good meal in, a, in an escape in room. escape room, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's not a bad choice to go. Once again, the weird thing about this that we definitely noticed and all agreed upon afterwards is apparently... If it's something that you've purchased from a store, it's okay. It can. Ha- it's okay to have whatever copyright yeah. or trademark names because that money has now gone towards J.K. Rowling. Yeah. But if it's something that you create in your own shop, mm-hmm. then it cannot say. Yeah, it's very. I don't know the. I mean, obviously, we're not lawyers, so I don't know the exact ruling. Um, but I mean, they've they've been open for a while now, and as far as I know, this is one that hasn't gotten. You know, a cease and desist. I mean, we've but known it, it some was just that a little have, weird so. because throughout the room we were getting like a muddle of names. Like, yeah, we would have a Gryffindor hat and then a Manticore tower on the map. Uh-huh. It was like, who's the Manticores? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it's. It wasn't a bad room. It's it's a good room. It's not like the best we've ever done, but it was very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like the the set design's good. It's not the best once again. You know, it's kind of like, that's why I feel like in a way maybe we don't have as much to talk about because it's just like, it was a decent room. You know, you're not wasting I, your money on it for and sure. And the thing about this, this room that they do, or this company rather that they do well is they keep with the theme mm-hmm. and also they keep with the... Um, thematic elements too because harry potter kind of has a little bit of humor throughout it and this one did as well like at one point we did like all of like this complex spell work Uh and we kept getting blasted with these like puffs of air because of the technology but the technology was Uh good and they're like oh good now that you have that new student smell off of you yeah like now we can get down to work and they were like messing with us and like that's kind of fun yeah and i mean i do this location like we really enjoyed um their James Bond room yeah. as well. I'd be interested to go see their other rooms too. They they kind of have all have kind of like a unique fun thing to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to do their their villains lair, which is pretty much like world dictators. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks like um, South Korea uh, <laughs> or North Korea, I should say. Um, they, they also both. have an AI one that looks good, and I do know they in addition to this location, which is Monterey Park, which is is kind of like the outskirts of LA. Um, they also have a San Diego location as well. Oh, okay. That's good. So. so that does it for our review of the School of Sorcery at the Exit Game in Monterey Park. Go check it out, guys. Honestly, like I said, not the best and blow your mind, but still fun, enjoyable, and I think definitely worth. Plus also, if you get there and it's not quite your time, if you're a little bit early to get there, like we said, they do have a really good waiting room to play games with, socialize, you know. In fact, um, when we went there to go play The Hour to Kill the first time, mm-hmm. the James Bond one, we got there a little bit early and we got a chance to actually sit down and kind of like get to know the, the randos, the strangers yeah. that we were paired with. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good space to kind of get to know them. You're not just like standing out on the sidewalk, yeah. you know, just like, <laughs> oh, I guess we're going to do this, huh? You know, it's a bit more of an inviting atmosphere. So now let's go ahead and get on to our Friday favorites. 
I will let the ladies first. Okay. So we finally got a chance to play a game that we've had for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Stuffed Fables. And we got a chance to finally play it um, over your birthday. We went up to a cabin um, up in Big Bear, and we actually got snow. On which, Memorial Day, on which Memorial was On Memorial Day, which was fun. Um, but because some of the weather wasn't as great as we had expected, we got to spend a lot of time in the cabin, you know, nice Fine and cozy, playing board me. games. And we took plenty. Um, I think we spent pretty much, like, an entire day doing that at one point. Yeah. Because we were like, guys, we're just going to go out, get some stuff for breakfast, come back, and then just chill. And we yeah. Were like, yeah. Yeah, um, and so we have had this game for a while, Stuff Fables, um, but I've been painting the miniatures, and it's taken me a while. <laughs> um, and you're almost done. Well, yeah, and I pretty much finished all but like a couple, and you kind of said, oh, well, I don't think those are you know needed for the game, so were. let's go ahead and take it. And so we went ahead, and we took it, and we played it. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. I mean, it's essentially, it's kind of like an RPG, but it's, you know, you're actually just following along in a book. So nobody has to act necessarily as the game master. Mm -hmm. So everyone gets to be involved. It's more geared towards children and like families to play. But I found as an adult, I still found it very enjoyable. And I kind of liked in some ways that it was a little bit easier. I felt like none of the roles were too difficult to achieve and no, stuff. Not, yeah. And so I felt like we were making progress through the story. No one was getting super frustrated. It just made for a very like nice playing experience. The thing about it that's good is that it takes away the the desire to just win. Uh-huh. Because you're going to win. Mm-hmm. So now you can focus on enjoying the story and the journey itself, mm-hmm. you know? Because in D&D you may not win. You might roll bad, and then that's it. You're done. Uh-huh. But in this game, even if you roll bad, you're still going to get to the end of the story. Yeah. It's okay. Um, And just the miniatures and all of the artwork is just so super cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and if you have been following along, I've been posting on um, our Instagram uh, Game Friday the, the pictures of my painted miniatures and stuff like that. I do plan to take kind of some like final high quality afters most of the pictures you'll see are like just ones that i took in while i was in progress on my iphone so you'll get to see some like actual high def you know nice pictures of the finished product very soon you know i've seen like other things that people have done online Mm -hmm. and like honestly like the details that i mean these are more simple like you said yeah they're fun to paint you've even done like little bits of like rust here and there around Uh the edges of like some of the bad guys it looks cool yeah, and I will say, like, if you are interested in the minis, like, go on Instagram and, like, just look up Stuffed Fables because a lot of people have painted them and everybody does them a little different and mm-hmm. it's just fun to see all the different things people did, you know. I had a really hard time, like, narrowing down because I'd see, oh, look at the way they painted this one. Like, that's really cool. This is one that I didn't I saw think that to do that. They did, they did shades or tones of the different uh-huh. colors that made the characters look like they can't see under black light. Mm. You know, it was, uh, I can't describe, like, kind of a neon yeah, kind of look to it, you know? I liked it. it was, and it was some did, first. I've seen some where they do really heavy, like, kind of lines around everything to almost make everything look drawn. Make it pop and a bit more. Yeah, too, yeah. It's, it's really neat, the things people have done. It's very creative, and I like that. I yeah. just, I wish I was better at it myself, but I just did <laughs> It was just hard, like I said, it was hard to, like, okay, but I can only choose one, because I just have one here, you know? Yeah. It's like, I want to do all the different versions, but no, I can only do one. Let's go buy more. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my Friday favorite, the one I'm looking forward to playing this time, is actually going back in time mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, we started a game long, long ago for Time Stories. Oh, yes. And 
we had to put a pin in it because it was running long and time stories is one of those ones where it's kind of it's kind of like back to the future mm-hmm. where you're going through a scenario and you will make mistakes but then you can just rewind the clock and try it again yeah and then be like okay so i won't bother doing this this time but it is it can be time consuming yeah or not so much back to the future it's more like groundhog day rather yeah you, you know you, like you do it over again yeah it's not like you're gonna have an accident no chance to run into yourself you yeah. know <laughs> it's like groundhog day we're like okay if i don't talk to this person if i talk to this person then that makes my day more efficient mm-hmm. and i can get more good done yeah know? But we had to put a pin in it because we had done like two or three rounds of like, okay, we finally made it here. And I won't spoil which game we're on so that way no one knows. But the version that we're doing actually had sort of a checkpoint in it where it said, okay, write down all your stats right now. And then you can choose to start the game again from here Mm -hmm. if you mess up. Yeah. And we were like... Awesome. Good place to stop. Yeah. That was about 10 months ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we have a lot of games, guys. Um, <laughs> no, and I don't, I don't blame and us. And it's one of those ones, too, that you kind of want to, like, we want to do it with the same group of people. Again. You have to do it with the same and group of people. And so, like, it's hard because, you know, maybe that group doesn't, isn't always, it's not just always us. Sometimes yeah. we have other people. Sometimes someone doesn't come. Or sometimes we just, we want to play something else. And so it, it gets hard to get back to it. Um, I What I do love, I mean, I, I love Time Stories. I think, first of all, it's really pretty game i think it's really smart and well done mm-hmm. um it, to me in a lot of ways it's more of an escape room than the escape room in the box game exactly um but what i love about it too and this is something you and i both um love in games you especially is it has the like super clever box design that actually acts as a save for your game where you can put all your all your pieces and all your cards into particular slots and things that actually saves where you were in the game almost and I like love that so it reminds much. me of like a video game it's like literally saving your game yeah. it's so clever do you remember back in the day for video games how you had to do like all the random crazy combinations like a x5 2 g 4 9 it's like i guess this means something and like <laughs> mom i need a pen yeah <laughs> no but it's like that it's you know the one thing that makes me so happy mm-hmm. is when I get a game and the plastic insert like holds everything, everything just right. Yeah. And this game not only holds everything right, but holds it in a way that you can remember what you were doing. Yeah. And I it just brings a tear to my eye. It makes me so <laughs> makes me so happy just thinking about it. It's honestly, you guys, it's beautiful. <laughs> Well, on that uh, tearful note, <laughs> um, I'm gonna go like just hug it, <laughs> just whisper like I love you so much to the little plastic bots. Well, that does it for this month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, music for this episode was provided by BenSound.com. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes really help new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, Please come and talk games with us. Thanks for listening, guys, and goodbye.